From Ars Frey, and welcome back to the new episode of Only Goats and Horses. We've taken a little break. We're back here to give you our thoughts on Series 2 of The Only Fools and Horses. And this episode is Episode 1 of Series 2, and it is called The Long Legs of the Law. Indeed it is. And hello, everyone. Welcome back, and it's good to be back. Um, So this episode aired on the 21st of October 1982 and attracted 7.7 million viewers, so back around that 7 to 8 million again. Um, And this one, Bread Roll, has got the same running time on DVD and iTunes of 28 minutes and 18 seconds. So um, the iTunes people don't get an extra couple of seconds this week. Oh dear, see, (laughs) there's a bit in this episode on the DVD, and I'm sure you might have it in your notes. I don't know if we'll be able to say it on the actual episode, but um, I'd imagine might have been cut on a few bits and pieces, specifically gold, I'd imagine. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's good to know. Yeah. And I think um, without giving too much away at this point in time, this episode seemed like a bit of a return to form. I forgot um, how good this episode was, at least in the line of one liners and little quips. It is an episode that's just like full of good little lines, I think. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, we're not really giving much away because we don't score these episodes, do we? I mean, we love them all. Even the ones we don't like, we still love, if that makes sense, which it probably doesn't. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, this has always been one of my favourite of the early series, the sort of first and second series. Um, I do like this one. And I know the line you're talking about is the one at the end, isn't it, where Dale says he gets a certain thing from trapping his finger? Yeah, that's, that's the it. line. And that is actually still in gold now. And I'm surprised by that. Yes, they do a little warning because this is I've seen this on gold fairly recently. They do a little warning at the start that it does contain um, sort of language of the time, but they do leave that line in. Um, but I'm not going to repeat it just in case we get taken off or cancelled or whatever the woke thing is for doing these days. But yeah, they do still leave it in on gold. So I'm surprised by that. All right. So we won't risk anyone having a little cry wank into their caramel latte. <laughs> when they listen to our episode, then we don't say it. So we should be doing all right. Yeah. Yeah, no, we'll be safe with that one. But we won't say it anyway, just in case. Cancel culture and all that. Yeah. But overall, um, yeah, I actually did enjoy watching this episode earlier. As you said earlier, even the ones that we don't like, we still like, which makes no sense. But we're, <laughs> <laughs> that's just our, our style in general. But um, yeah, actually, um, I was having a good old chuckle to myself, especially at a few of the old uh, the granddad lines, as you've mentioned previously. Although we, we prefer Uncle Albert, which we said about a thousand times by now, granddad just have this style or Leonard Pierce should I say of just coming out of these one liners and they just work so well in an episode and he actually comes out of like two or three of them in this one yeah he does yeah he's very good at that isn't he although he, he can be quite annoying he just suddenly perks up with a one liner and you forgive him don't you I think this episode was the first appearance of Sid as well wasn't it yeah it was and I gotta say I know we'll obviously get to the scene when um, you run through the synopsis I forgot to check, but I swear in in that scene, the first time we actually see the cafe as well, I think Sid's calf, I swear the guy who plays Mike's in there, a guy who looks like so much like him, just as Dale was walking from the table to the obviously bit where he speaks to Sid. Um, I swear this guy who plays Mike, and I can't remember what the actor's name is, but it looks so much like him. 
I, I didn't notice that, and I've seen this episode countless times. I'd have to check that out. Um, no, I can't remember his name either. Oh, bless him, rest in peace as well. He died quite young, didn't he? Um, he did. Yeah, no, I, I'd never noticed that, Brad. Well, I'm going to have to go back and have a look at that. Um, also, the woman who plays um, Sandra, who's Rodney's girlfriend in this, very briefly, the policewoman, she was in the first ever episode of Have I Got News For You, apparently, looking at Wikipedia earlier. But this seems to be one of her only acting roles. It's one of the only ones she's credited for on Wikipedia. She's written quite a few novels and children's books and stuff. So it appears she's more of an author than an actress. So I'm not really sure how she got involved in being Have I Got News For You, but apparently she was in the first ever episode. Oh, fair. That's a great bit of trivia. I thought, <laughs> you know, I always do a little fashion roundup for the episodes and stuff. But I've got to say, when she appears, she looks like she's dressed, she's dressed like a fucking 50-year-old, isn't she? Like, she doesn't look, I mean, she's supposed to be about the same age as Rodney or thereabouts. Um, but I thought, man, you're dressed like Agatha Christie, let alone somebody who's like in their <laughs> 20s, in the 70s or 80s, whatever this was at the time. 82, yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting get-up she's got on. Um, another thing going about fashion, obviously Rodney's in his praying mantis suits. He's going out you know, <laughs> on a date, so he's dressed in his uh, best suit. Uh, like a palm of Yeah, yeah. Del, Del Boy um, pretty much stays in the same outfit the whole episode, doesn't he? Um, I'm he assuming, does. I can't remember now. Sorry, Karen. In the last, no, I was going to say, in, in the last scene where they're clearing the flat out, I think he's probably changed, but Obviously, he's wearing his um his red turtleneck and his I think he might have his body warmer on or whatever. But he doesn't get changed throughout the whole episode, does he? I suppose it's all really shot in the same day, isn't it? So I guess he well even by Del Boy standards, he didn't have time to change, even though he does seem to have about three outfits a day normally. Yeah, because he's got that kind of like it's like a red V neck and he's got the grey turtleneck yeah. underneath, hasn't he? And I think. He whacks on the old camel air, obviously probably isn't camel air, jacket <laughs> at the end, doesn't he? He's like sort of classic jacket. Granddad's still wearing the same old raggedy ass shirt, stained with gravy and God knows what they <laughs> that he wears, doesn't he? But Rodney starts the episode off wearing some really dodgy jumper that looks like, I don't know, looks like it should be like a carpet in my nan's house from 1982. <laughs> but this weird yeah. jumper. Then he jumps into his praying mantis outfit towards the end. Yeah, I mean, Granddad, he's a bit like Uncle Albert in that respect. I'm pretty sure they only had one outfit throughout the whole fucking time they were on screen, didn't they? Yeah, I think so. I think we see um, Uncle Albert change into like a suit for a specific episode event. But yeah, generally he's always wearing his um, his normal little waistcoat and his medals, isn't he? And Granddad's always in his little scarf, his monkey like proper old school Granddad pyjama shirt and his Mac if he ever goes outside. But he's still got his pyjamas on underneath. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I run through the synopsis in bread roll. Yeah, let's have a look at this, see what it says. Okay, again, pulled from that wonderful thing that is Wikipedia. And I haven't really had time to um to run through this and make sure it's accurate because um this has been a bit of a rushed episode, even though I've had two weeks to do it. It's been a bit hectic <laughs> the last few days, hasn't it? It has. Life's got in the way. And we've both been down the pub, respectively, not together tonight. <laughs> um, and my laptop's not working, so I can't turn it on. So I've got no notes. So I'm just freestyling tonight. Ah, oh, this could be interesting then. <laughs> okay, let's have a go then. So, it's the morning after a party at the Nags Head, attended by Delboy and Rodney, which broke into a riot. It emerges that to break up the trouble, have a young policewoman had been sent, and Del teases Rodney for trying to ask her out for a date while she was dealing with the offenders. Later at Sid's calf, Rodney reveals that he had in fact been successful and arranged a date with her, much to Del's disapproval. Ignoring Dale's pleas, Rodney takes Sandra out. 
Dad and Grandad intensely discuss the implications of Rodney dating a police officer for their business. Dow ultimately concludes that a wrong word from Rodney and they could serve five years imprisonment. Rodney returns home late at night and Grandad reveals to Dell that he has brought Sandra home with him, resulting in a nervous Dell desperately trying to hide some of the illegal goods in the flat, including three cases of expert-only gin and some stolen watches recently purchased from Trigger. Rodney and Sandra enter and Dell suddenly realises that Rodney has given her one of Trigger's watches. He gets it off her after accidentally spilling some gin over it, but says that they cannot give her another glass of gin since they have run out, only for Rodney, impulsively, to reveal that there's three cases of it hidden behind the curtains by Dell. Back outside Sandra's flat, she and Rodney bid farewell. She tells Rodney that she had indeed noticed all the illegal goods in the flat, despite Dell's efforts to hide them. Rodney, realising that the situation is his fault, takes the blame for all of the stolen goods in the flat, even though he knows it will probably result in him being arrested and will certainly put an end to any hopes of dating Sandra again. However, because she enjoyed the night, rather than arrest him, Sandra decides to give, him the, tr- give the trotters 24 hours to get rid of the stolen property before she returns with the CID. Rodney asks Sandra to go out on another date, but she sternly tells him not to push his luck. The final scene shows the trotters in their now near-empty flat, with all three still frantically removing stuff, and Dale still threatening to kill Rodney for getting him into the mess. So again, another pretty quick synopsis from Wikipedia, but I think it covers everything there, Brad Roll. Yeah, yeah, pretty much does. A um, couple of points there, just wondering, obviously, the forefront of my mind, absent a set of notes. Um, like you say, this is the introduction of Sid, who himself becomes a bit of a reoccurring character. And although Trigger's mentioned, he doesn't appear in this. So this is another episode where it's pretty much just Del, Rodney and Grandad. And other than, um, obviously, the police officer, is Sandra, isn't it? Um, yeah. that Rodney's dating. There's not really any other characters in it, again, apart from the introduction of Sid for this one. Yeah, you're right. And also, um, Tommy Razzle gets a mention, again, along with Monkey Harris, who gets mentioned constantly um, in one of the early scenes, but we never see, obviously, either of them. I don't know if Tommy Razzle gets any more mentions. I can't remember throughout the rest of the episodes. Obviously, Monkey Harris is a recurring character in speak, you know, in speech, but never actually in person. Yeah, we get that, that sort of like comedy line, don't we? It's like, do you remember Tommy Razzle, Grandad? Yeah, I remember him. He had that dog. Yeah, that's right. Well, he's married her now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, obviously it might uh, ruffle a few feathers and that, but it's all done in good fun. But that always gives me a chuckle, that line. Yeah, it's another one of those quick sort of bounces off each other where Dale and Grandad and sometimes Dale and Rodney, the quick one-liners. And obviously it was part of the script, but as it, time went on, we've said before, some of these were ad-libbed. Probably at this stage, they were still scripted, but you can imagine those sort of things being ad-libbed later on when sort of David Jason and Nicholas Lindhurst almost became like family, didn't they? They did, yeah, and they still to this day remain a really tight relationship, as you would if you worked together, obviously, for so many years. Um, But yeah, I think this one felt, because we said like season one, it had its moments, obviously it's better than I remember it being, but the last couple of episodes felt a little bit off and they kind of just went Mm. off the boil, but this... As I mentioned earlier, it seems like a bit of a return to form and the banter's there, the kind of the timings there. And I just think obviously the back and forth works really well. And I gotta say one thing is we had the episode in um in series one. I keep saying season, apologies. In the England we call it series, but John will slap me, JT will. Um <laughs> but um there's a bit at the start of this episode where 
gra- um, granddad's like saying, oh, I can't find my teeth. But he seems to be speaking a lot better than he did in the episode in series one when he lost his teeth. Because he's like, who stole my teeth? And that, <laughs> this one, he's like talking pretty much exactly the same as he does when he's got them in. I've got exactly the same thing here in my nose. And I was about to mention that, that he's lost his teeth again. But he seems to have worked out how to actually act like he's lost them. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe um, uh, John Sullivan sent him away and said, Len, can you just practice um, pretending you haven't got teeth in? Because, yeah, he's done it a lot better this time around, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah, it does seem a bit natural. And then old Rodney ends up drinking the sterident, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> it's got to one, be for him. One thing that made me laugh as well in this opening scene is Dell comes into the flat and obviously Rodney's hanging a little bit. Dell comes in saying, oh, you know, he's feeling great and he's had some bacon. It goes down like Duckham's or something, doesn't it? The oil. And he's just brazenly walking around with a copy of Mayfair, a porno mag, isn't he? He's been down the newsagent, obviously. And he's picked up like his fucking paper and a porno mag. He's just walking around with it, waving it about like it's nothing. Yeah, and later on that porno mag comes back because that was I remember typing that up earlier as a note, but I'll get to that in a little while. But we also get that obviously that continuation of Granddad cocking up the breakfast because he he goes to put some bacon on, doesn't he? And it's cooking, and like about five times, Dale's like, oh, "What's happening with that bacon, Granddad?" And he's like, "Oh yeah, yeah, yeah it's all right." And he comes in later and he's like, "I burnt your bacon." Oh, right, you can have it. It's like every time Granddad's cooking something, he always cocks it up. Yeah, I've got that mentioned here because that was in the one of the last episodes of series one, wasn't it? We found out Granddad's a shit cook, and it, it does sort of play a part continuously now from sort of here on in. Yeah, you say about the uh, the magazine, Rodney sat in Sid's cap, isn't he? Dale's reading the paper, and Rodney's just sat there reading Mayfair. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, that was back in back in the day, but I guess like nowadays, you couldn't really sit in a cafe reading a you know a dirty mag. You'd probably get uh, thrown out. Yeah, exactly. You'd be all over TikTok by the time lunchtime rolled round. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's also the fact that he sat there and he's like, he's got the page turned over, and I was like, hang on, this is a PG show, and this probably aired at like seven thirty, eight o'clock. And there's a fair bit on display on that page that he's got like showing on the screen. So I was thinking, oh, from that point of view, I mean, that wouldn't fly these days either. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. And also something that I noticed more in series one, I don't think I've mentioned it in the podcast. They've got the calendar on the wall, haven't they? The sort of topless calendar. And again, it's only a pair of tits. Um, but, you know, it's a PG rated show and there's like a nude woman in the background in three or four of the episodes in series one. Yeah, well, maybe they watched Alien and saw the fried eggs up on the girly wall. <laughs> I was just thinking the same thing when I said that. I was like, I know Fred Roll's going to mention Alien in a minute, and I really need to go back and check that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're looking at tits, and I spotted the fried eggs. So anyone who's <laughs> not listened to our Alien episode on our other podcast, next time you watch Alien, watch out for the fried eggs on the wall. <laughs> what does that say about our psyche? Eh? I mentioned I noticed tits, and you mentioned uh, noticed fried eggs. So okay, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know which one's worse out of the pair of us for that? <laughs> <laughs> no, we should probably move on a bit quicker then. Um, so there's one thing that really gets me right. So Dale obviously gives the whole spear when the flat at the, the, the start, where they've been out the night before. He's been out. They've been out with obviously a mother and daughter. Rodney's pissed off because Dell's stuck in with the mother and not the daughter, which is a bit weird because you wonder how old the daughter is compared to Dell. But anyway, um, but then obviously Dell says about the um, the copper coming in and the riot and everything, and Rodney's all blasé about it. Dell's sort of taking the piss out of him, saying you were being all like walking up to her and trying to chat her up and everything. But it's not until the next day in Sid's calf that Rodney actually says, "Oh yeah, I've got a date with her." It's just a bit strange that it took him all that time to mention it, don't you think? 
Yeah, because you would have thought at the time when Dale was taking a piss out of him being because he was like, oh, he's all soppy, like, oh, yeah, you're yeah. right, and all that sort of stuff, doing the impression. You'd have thought to get one up on him, Rodney would have turned around and been like, well, actually, for your information, I got a date with her. Um, yeah. Just stick it to him there. But I know there's a punchline in Sid's cap, isn't it? Because Dale drops all the like knives and forks out of his sleeve when he gets like informed and everything. But yeah, you, you're absolutely right. You would have thought he'd have told him at, at the time, really. Yeah, because when, when Dale mentions it in the calf, he's like, oh, yeah, I didn't tell you, I've got a bird, Rodney says to him. And it's like, you would have definitely told him yesterday when he was, t- or in, a couple of hours ago, and he was taking a piss out of you. It's just almost like that whole scene's been forgotten about. Just something I've always noticed. And then you saying about Dale when he's got all the cutlery up his sleeves. I mean, David Jason, amazing actor, don't get me wrong, but when he's... Um, all those knives and forks falling out of his arm or of his coat. You can see him sort of edging them out, can't you? He's properly <laughs> flapping his fingers, pushing them all out. Yeah, yeah. He's sort of like, you know, he's obviously doing that for the effect. He's like a low-budget magician from Butlins, isn't he? You can see <laughs> like, I mean, it's funny. It's a really good bit. And I like um, when you first walked up to the bar with Sid and he's like, oh, I'm here to pay. Sid's like, oh, yeah, what did you have? Oh, tea and a couple of biscuits. You know, what did you really have? I did yeah. have it all written down earlier, but he's like, oh, yeah, sausage, bacon, egg, chips, bread. Bread was toasted. Three cups of tea. <laughs> he rolls off all this thing. It's like, bloody hell, how much did you actually eat? You've eaten, like, three people's worth of food. And then the bit that always cracks me up, and I know you and me have used this line in the past, is when he's like, Rodney, what did you have? Oh, just my usual bacteria on toast. <laughs> yeah, we used to use that at work all the time, didn't we? What do you have for breakfast then? Bacteria on toast. Yeah, usually when we went to the... <laughs> Yeah, I like the way when Sid says to Dale, didn't have a fried slice, I know I've got a bit of a dicky tummy. Yeah, but he's just eating like a third world's like <laughs> portion of food or something. Yeah. Also, um, I think I said it in one of our top 10 episodes, another plug there, if you haven't heard those, go back to our early podcasts about... Um, Trigger when he steals a cigarette machine in one of the later episodes, the first episode that Uncle Albert's in. And I quite wrongly said, because I wasn't really thinking back too much about Trigger not really um, stealing stuff and everything. But obviously, he's got the knocked off watches in this episode that he sold to Dell. Obviously, we don't see Trigger. So um, that was a complete um, boo boo misconception on my behalf that Trigger isn't dodgy because he is. He's just a bit thick with it, I guess. Yeah, you're right. And I'd, I'd obviously. Um, forgotten night, just how dodgy he is because a lot of these episodes, these early ones, the kind of hook of them, um, one we'll get to a bit later on where they paint the Chinese restaurant, the paint always comes from Trigger, doesn't it? Whatever mm. dodgy thing they have that is the kind of crux of the episode usually comes from Trigger's direction. Um, and another thing I thought as well is like by now, like Rodney, obviously, we know he's always against all the hooky stuff, even though he knows everything Dell does is dodgy. Every time, like, something comes in, like, Grandad's like, oh, yeah, Trigger dropped off a box of watches. And he's like, um, and he's trying to pretend they're not hooky. And Rodney's kind of giving him like a suspicious look. And it's like, it's like come on, man. By now, you know, every time Dell gets his hand on something, by hook or by crook, they're dodgy, aren't they? It's called Hooky Street yeah. for a reason. Yeah. And you sort of wonder whether Rodney is just, he's either being thick or he's just kind of trying to deny or maybe think maybe Dell has actually done something genuine this time. It's one of those, isn't it? Maybe. It's, it's that kind of just left to thinking, isn't it? Is Rodney just being completely thick? Because, again, he's not the brightest button, is he, sometimes? He's a bit more switched on than Dell on certain occasions. But maybe he's like, he's got that thought, oh, Dell's actually done a, a proper deal this time. Or he's just being completely thick and thinking, you know, I don't know. It's one of those, isn't it? 
Yeah, it definitely is sort of a bit of a head scratcher. One thing I really liked about this episode, um, you may have picked up on it as well, I imagine you did. Um, obviously, because we've said before, like Dell and Rodney, the great thing about their characters is that like at each other's throats literally all the time. But when the other one's not around, they will defend each other to the last. And at the start mm-hmm. of the episode or thereabouts, um, when Rodney, obviously they're arguing about like Rodney going out with the um, police officer, it must be about halfway through. And he's like, oh, yeah. And Dell like, does the whole thing. He's like, I raised you. I, you know, I was the one who sort of like, kept my promise to mum. I'm the one who supported you and all that sort of stuff. And Rodney kind of stops. He's like, okay, yeah, maybe my brother did do this to me. And then later on, as you mentioned in the synopsis, like um, Sandra's like, which one of you is responsible for all the stolen goods? And Rodney's like, oh, it's me. Dell doesn't have anything to do with it. Like, it just shows that these two will obviously defend each other like through thick and thin, even though they just completely like slag each other off to each other's faces. When the cold light of day comes around, they will always protect each other. Yeah, yeah, I've got exactly the same thing here. And also even when they have a new argument, just before Rodney goes out to meet Sandra and Dell's like, basically, go away, I don't want anything to do with you, you're not part of the family anymore. He then turns around and says, but be careful, it's been raining out there, those roads are treacherous. So he's still looking out for him. Yeah, he does care. And that just reminds me again, of one, I love this line as well. and Because Grandad's like, you've brought a slur on the family name. And Rodney's like, oh, come off it, Grandad. I'd get done for chicken molesting to bring a slur on this family. <laughs> I that was such a great line. Yeah, no, it is a good line. Another, another sort of quick one line. Like I say, there's quite a few in this episode. We also get to hear about um, Rodney's uniform fetish again, don't we? When um, Grandad's asking, why is he going out of a copper? And Dale says, oh, we... He's perverted, you know. He likes women. He likes uniforms. <laughs> and wasn't it? Doesn't Granda go? Don't we? Can't we just buy him one then? And Dale's like, he doesn't want to fucking wear it. It's like he wants her to wear it. He might be perverted, but he's not sick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. And then Grandad comes out of that really stupid line, doesn't he? Like when um, after Rodney's gone, Grandad turns to Dell and he's like, "It's a good job your mum died when she did, because that would have killed her." The devil just kind of turned to us like, shut up, you stupid old git, or something like that. <laughs> oh, it is good. The banner in this episode is right It's right on the money, I think. This is a good starting point, I'd say, for people if they wanted to get into any fools and horses. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because, again, we haven't really been introduced to many of the other characters. We've seen Trigger briefly and Boise for about three seconds. So, you know, you could probably start here and still get exactly what's going on. It's it's almost like another starting point, isn't it? It is, yeah, because it pretty much gives you all the fundamentals. Dell's dodgy. Rodney's obviously Mister. You know, tries to be a good boy, but obviously he goes along with Dell. You meet Grandad, who's bloody useless, and um, <laughs> you just kind of get the situation. Then obviously the scenario with the police officer and hiding all the goods and all that sort of stuff. It is like like you say, it's like almost like a soft reboot, isn't it? Like season two is almost like or series two. Beg your pardon. <laughs> um, it's like a soft reboot for the whole kind of setup, and it does flow a lot better than I think some of the episodes in the series one did. I mean, granted, obviously series one was just the pilots and getting into the flow of things, but yeah, it, is a, it was a good episode, and it flew by yeah. pretty quickly. Yeah, it did. Yeah, um, it's a strong start, isn't it? Because we we've said series one actually started fairly strongly, and then it did kind of peter out the last few episodes. The last sort of two or three weren't great. Um, but yeah, this does start really strongly. We also get another mention of Rodney's uh, conviction for smoking marijuana, as Grandad calls it, don't we? In this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's when he mentions um, the marijuana is what brought the slur on the family name, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, there's one bit. It's always 
I've, I've sort of wondered about again. It's going back to Rodney. Is he being thick or is he just uh, trying on a bit? When he brings Sandra home, obviously we've just said, does he know that Dale's got all the dodgy stuff in the flat? He must do. He's not that thick. He wouldn't fucking bring her home, would he? You know he's asking for trouble. You know, is, is he really thinking about his dick more than he's thinking about his fucking, you know, his brother and the fact that they could both be doing time for this? Yeah, I thought that. I thought logically, like, how stupid would Rodney actually be to do this? Um, I mean, yeah, I know it made for a few gags and everything, but and some of the stuff they walk into, like, Grandad's running back and forth with his bloody tire. There's got half a load of bloody, like, brown parcel tape or something wrapped in it. Then they got like a stack of three cases of gin, which I wouldn't mind getting my hands on, to be honest. They got yeah. that stuck behind their curtain and everything. And it's like, yeah, Rodney, come on, I know you're dopey and obviously you're trying to get your end away, but you wouldn't you wouldn't do that, surely. But he no, does that a couple no. of times, doesn't he? Because in it's only rock and roll. He invites the police officer to the um to the garage. I know we'll get to that down the line, but he does a few things like that along the um the series. Yeah, he does. I mean, obviously, we're supposed to be led to believe that Rodney is, you know, he doesn't really think, does he? he although he thinks he's morally right, he's a bit fucking dopey in that respect. But yeah, I'm, I'm sat there watching it again. I mean, I've seen this episode a hundred times and I'm thinking, would you really invite her back to the flat? That is just asking for trouble because you know your brother is definitely not straight at all. You know, he, everything he does is dodgy. Um, and then... It does lead to some great bits, though, doesn't it, where Dell's trying to hide the watches. And, I mean, he's so fucking obvious. He's literally fucking shoving them down the side of the, the armchair in full view of Sandra. And then the bit where um, Rodney's going about the police record, isn't it? Del, is it Grandad that says he's got a police record? And, yeah, um, and he's like, yeah, it's walking on the moon. <laughs> yeah, and then he says, do you like the police, Sandra? I've got their latest record. Hasn't been released yet. And you can just see Dell's face fucking just drop. And that makes me wonder as well, back in the day, I mean, do you remember pirating fucking stuff off the radio and things? He used to do recording it and that. I'm thinking, what in what format did he have that? Did he have a... Because he wouldn't, he wouldn't have had a DLP as such because it would have been on vinyl back then. So he must have had a dodgy cassette or something of it. But again, thinking far too much into that. Yeah, they did actually. Um, I know you haven't actually seen this, but... When they did Rock and Chips, I did actually reference him doing the imports of the American um, LPs and stuff, which I thought was a good little touch, obviously, because it reflects on this episode. But yeah, I don't know what format it really would have gone for, but Christ, yeah, the old pirate and stuff off the radio and bits and pieces. I used to work on, on the market when I was a teenager and stuff, and they always used to have like the video stall. The guy on there oh, would always have yeah. pirate video. Shit is quality, you can imagine. Like, you could, it's just like loads of flickering images and stuff, and it could have been anything, <laughs> really. But they were obviously hot property back then. The old pirate video stalls, yeah, I remember those. You throw me under the bus there, Brad Roll. Yeah, everyone, I've never watched Rockin' Chips. I'm a massive Only Fools and Horses fan, and I've never watched, <laughs> I've watched Rockin' Chips. And, um, yeah, shoot me now. That is, um, an absolute, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, but yeah, never seen it. Bad times. Yeah, it's not. It's worth watching. I wouldn't say it's like you must go out of your way to watch it, but I think a lot of the stuff they did was very clever. Obviously, I don't think, yeah, John Sullivan wasn't involved. I think it was his son who wrote that. I think John Sullivan had passed away at the time. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, but yeah, it, it is good in a few ways. But again, it, nothing can touch the original, in my opinion. Um, I sent you that clip earlier. For anyone out there who may know, there's an Only Fools and Horses musical over here in the UK. And I saw a clip of it for the first time. It's been going on for a few years. And I saw a clip of it on YouTube earlier for the first time. And I was like, 
I can kind of see what they're going for, but it just doesn't work for me because these characters are so iconic. No one else can be them. I just, it just yeah. doesn't work for me in any other way, shape or form than this original series. Do you know what? You just reminded me to watch that because I said I was going to watch it on my lunch break and then completely forgot. I will watch that when we um, finish this. Um, yeah, I'm the same with the musical. And I, I even thought about maybe me and you going to see it. It's a bit of a sort of, you know, date night when it first came out before fucking COVID and everything happened. But then I thought, I don't know. I mean, exactly the same thought as you. Would it spoil the whole thing about Only Fools and Horses? It's really strange. And I think it's probably best that we don't go and see it, personally. Yeah. I mean, see what you think of that clip. Maybe we'll all go and watch it and we can do a review for it. Um, if anyone out there would like to hear us review the musical, we'll consider buying a ticket. It does mean going to London, which I'm not a fan of because it's too much effort. So we'll <laughs> see if they do it down here, a bit closer to the home. Well, not that far from London, bread roll. But, yeah... Yeah, I don't know. It's I suppose it couldn't really dispel the myth of Only Fools and Horses or spoil it because it's completely different. But it just be, would be weird seeing other people play the characters that we know and love. It just maybe wouldn't seem right. It might be brilliant, don't get me wrong. But yeah, maybe one to do in the future. Yeah, definitely. And of course, anyone out there listening, if you have seen the musical or have any sort of opinion on it, then by all means, let us know. Um, you know where to get us. You can find us at Hyperbaric Goats on Twitter. Drop us a line and let us know if you think the uh, musical is worth actually seeing for one reason or another. Yeah, definitely. It'd be nice to hear some genuine people's sort of thoughts on it. I'm, I'm sure they'll see there's reviews of it out there. So maybe we should delve a bit deeper into that. But yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a bit 50-50 on whether it's a, a good idea or not. Um, going back to this episode, we, we're talking about Del and Rodney trying to hide things from Sandra. I mean, when Del walks up to Sandra with the G&T and he just chucks it all over the watch, it's just, I don't know, it's so stupid, but it's comedy gold in a way. It's just the way he's like, oh yeah, watch me, Rodney, watch me, I'll do this. And he just walks like, oh, whoops, a daisy. And just like completely sloshes it all over it. Doesn't even look he trips up. But then it's he's like, good... oh, sorry, carry on. No, I was about to say, it's quite a good timing from her. It's just convenient that he's like, I'll just put it onto the arm of the chaise long, which it's not even going to, if he did put it on the arm, it would fall off anyway, because it's a fucking sort of curved arm. But she looks down just as he says that, so he just chucks it all over her wrist, doesn't he? Yeah, I love the way they always refer to it as the chaise, and it's not a chaise, it's just a dodgy little sofa, isn't it? It's, it's not a shitty sofa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when um, Dell takes Rodney to one side and talks to him, quietly about the stolen watches and everything it's so fucking loud she would have definitely heard it well yeah she's only sat like a foot away isn't she but then like yeah. she doesn't even seem to i know obviously later on we find out she kind of twigs and she spotted that most of it's obviously stolen stuff but he's like oh i'll get um the watch fixed for you because obviously i don't know if the guarantee covers gin and he's like i'll have it back to you in a couple of months and i don't know like even back then you know would it actually take a couple of months to get a watch watch fixed and you could pop yeah, into like thought- to get it done in like 24 hours nowadays but I don't know what it would be then <laughs> yeah I thought the same thing when he says yeah I'll have that back to you in a couple of months he's like oh okay I'm like mm, yeah even back then like you say would it have taken that amount of time <laughs> then going on to sort of the last scene when Rodney goes back to, to Sandra's flat obviously he doesn't actually get in the flat but they're outside and um, when he says um, she, they're sort of having a hug and kiss a little peck on the cheek and they're saying goodbye and she's like Rodney can I ask you something? And his little eyes fucking twinkle, don't they? And she's like, it's about your flat. And he's like, yeah. And she's like, is anything in there actually legal? And you see him just go, for fuck's sake. He thinks he's well in, doesn't he? 
Yeah, you can you can always like imagine him getting like a bit of a semi on and then suddenly just goes Mr. Floppy <laughs> as soon as she says like because it'll probably drop in time of his face. And I think Lynhurst does these faces so well, doesn't he? Because he's got that really kind of like pervy, like, yeah, I'm going in, you know, gonna get sent away. <laughs> and then when she says that, he's just like, Oh <laughs> he does it so well. I do like it though when she's on about, you know, I should arrest you and everything, and he's like, Oh, come on, Sandra. I bought you a Donna kebab tonight. It's <laughs> like come back. <laughs> it works though because she's like, "Oh yeah, all right then." <laughs> yeah, because yeah, later on she is like, "You took me to the pictures and you bought me Donna kebab." And he's like, "And a packet of peanuts." <laughs> and I bought you a watch. Oh, forget the watch. <laughs> no, I won't forget the watch, Rodney. <laughs> Nor will I forget the others. Your brother hid down the side of the armchair. But um, there's another thing as well. I don't really get here. And I know Sandra's trying to be nice to Rodney. He's taken her out, so she's trying to give him a bit of bit of time and everything. She doesn't want to nick him on the spot. But she says she's trying to better her career and stuff. So she then says, I'll be round in 24 hours with a warrant and gives him time to get all the shit out of the flat, which is then going to make her look, look like a complete dick when she turns up with the warrant and there's nothing in the flat. Yeah, I thought that. And I also thought, like, why would she have waited? Like, if she went to her... I mean, I don't work with the police, so I don't know what the procedure was, especially back then. But if she went into her, um, obviously, her gaffer or whatever, and was like, right, I know about this flat that's got all this hooky gear. And he'd be like, okay, so how do you know about it? Oh, I went on a date with yeah. a guy. When did you find this out? Last night. So why are you telling me now and waiting 24 hours? You know, I just... I know it's all done just for a gag and part of the storyline. You're not supposed to overthink it. But when you actually break it down, it's like that actually makes no sense whatsoever. Yeah, and that makes you think again because you don't ever see her come back to the flat. The last scene's obviously Dale, Rodney, and Grandad clearing out. Was she just threatening? You know, would she have actually turned up? Because it certainly wouldn't have done anything for her career. She'd have just looked like a bit of a dick. Yeah, and you just saying that, it's just put something in my mind. I have to keep an eye out for this on next week's episode. I wonder if they did that storyline to try and freshen up the look of the flat. So obviously they've literally mm. stripped it bare, haven't they? They're down to the last, obviously just moving the last bookcase almost. And Dell's like, oh, it's been so long. Half the stuff in here is legal. Half of it's not. So we've got to get rid of all of it. I wonder if in next week's episode, the whole sex, it changes over time, doesn't it? Every few episodes, yeah. there's new stuff in there. I wonder if it'll be slightly different bits. And that's one of the reasons they put that in there as an excuse to actually freshen up the set a little bit. A really good thought, Brad Roll, and something we will investigate next week, I'm sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I don't actually have anything else to say about this episode other than the fact that it is actually really good and it's a really strong start to series two. And again, if you're new to Only Fools and Horses, I'd say this is probably the better starting point than series one, really. I mean, series one's watchable and absolutely check it out, but series two is starting off pretty well for me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Although I think Series 1, as we've said, started strongly, but then maybe miss out the last two or three episodes and go straight on to this, but then that wouldn't really work continuity-wise. So yeah, double-edged sword there, really. But yeah, very strong start for Series 2. It'll be interesting to see, because I don't know, without looking next week, what the viewers are going to be for Episode 2, because they obviously dropped quite dramatically between Episode 1 and Episode 2 of Series 1. So it'll be interesting to see when we do next week's episode whether they manage to hold the sort of seven and a half, eight million they had for this one. Yeah, yeah, I'll be interested in uh, getting a look at those figures as well. And as we, we said before, so apologies for sounding like a broken record, this show took a few series to get kind of a bit of traction underneath it. So it'll be good to see if it kind of sits at that base and then spikes or how it kind of plays out as we go along. Yeah, indeed, because I think 
series two was pretty much it was um, obviously a touch of glass which we'll get to at the end of this series was the episode that saved only fools and horses from the folklore and what we've sort of read and seen so um yeah it'd be interesting to see what the viewers uh, figures do throughout this series lovely stuff so anything else for you to say about this particular episode this week jt uh, no, I think I'm pretty much done, Brad Roll, other than the fact that, as you said, this is a, a pretty good starting point. If you want to miss out Series 1 and go straight to this, it's uh, not a bad shout, that. Groovy. So, as I mentioned earlier, if you do want to get in touch with us um, and let us know your thoughts on not only our show, but also the episodes of Only Fools and Horses in general, you can do at the Hyperbaric Ghost on Twitter, where you can also connect to our movie review podcast, where we spend a bit more time blundering our way through classic movies and obscure masterpieces if you can call them that and as always to all our listeners out there our regular ones and any new ones we're picking up along the way thank you for your time and i hope you enjoy listening and don't forget to give us a follow so you can keep up to date with all the things we're getting up to indeed red roll couldn't have said it better myself um so i've just got one real last thing to say i've had a lot of sobering thoughts in my time del boy it's those that started me drinking no income tax, no VAT, no money back, no guarantee. Black or white, rich or 